If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hey there, welcome to episode 111 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we connect with Ariana Rehak, who runs associationsuccess.org, and we recently had the pleasure of working with her for the Surge 2017 Virtual Summit. We're going to get the inside scoop on how Ariana put together that very successful online event, but before we do that, we want to highlight a resource, and we also want to acknowledge the founding sponsors for Review My LMS, a new initiative we have underway in collaboration with 100 Reviews. That's right. As we mentioned in previous episodes, we're very close to helping the folks at 100 Reviews, Ben Martin and Terry Carden, launch a new learning management system review site that's built on the same model as their very successful Review My AMS site. And AMS meaning, of course, Association Management System. We'll be providing more details about the site in the coming weeks, but for now, we want to acknowledge the four companies that have stepped up to help get it off the ground and really to help create a very transparent space in which LMS users can review the systems they're using so that other organizations who are looking for an LMS have access to that information as part of their decision process. We feel like this has been a gap in the association and broader learning business market for a long time, so we're really excited to know that it will soon be filled with support from the following companies. Community Brands, Digitel, Next Thought, and Web Courseworks. We'll link to each of these companies from the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 111. And if you're looking for an LMS, we really encourage you to visit these companies and see what they have to offer. We also encourage you to grab the resource that we want to highlight for this episode, and that resource is our Association Virtual Events Report. This is a free Tagoras report that draws on data from more than 100 associations to help you understand the emerging role of virtual events in the association sector. This report will really help you learn fast and get on the road to success with virtual events, and to download it, you just simply go to tagoras.com slash virtual hyphen events. The report is, of course, a great complement to the interview with Ariana Rayhack that we um, are going to turn to for the remainder of this episode. Um, Jeff, you had the privilege of speaking with her. What did you cover with Ariana? Well, you just mentioned the Association Virtual Events Report as being a great way to learn fast. If you are even remotely interested in virtual events, and, and we really think that pretty much every learning business should be at this point this interview is a great way to learn fast because you're, you're going to get to learn from what Ariana herself learned in putting together Surge 2017. And uh, you mentioned we worked with her on this. We did uh, have a session in the event. So we were kind of on the front lines and experiencing from the presenter side and then also being there, watching the event be marketed, watch it take place. And I get to talk to Ariana about all of that. And uh, and I think the, com- the conversation is enhanced by the fact that, of course, we have our own virtual event, Learning Technology Design, and you know, listeners can find out more about that at ltd.tagoras.com. So you know, we've got our own perspective on how all of this works. Ariana has her perspective, and I think we were just able to have a, a great discussion that really brought out some, some nuggets that, uh, again, anybody who's interested in potentially hosting a virtual event or improving their existing virtual event is, is bound to benefit from. 
Well, this sounds like a very valuable conversation, so let's get on with the interview with Ariana Ray. Hello out there, this is Jeff Cobb with the Leading Learning Podcast, and today I am joined by Ariana Rayhack. Ariana runs associationsuccess.org, which is an organization aimed at helping trade and professional associations thrive and succeed in today's ever-changing environment. She is also the impresario behind a recent very successful virtual summit called Surge 2017, and that's a topic we definitely want to address in this episode. But before we do that, Ariana, welcome to Leading Learning. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. And I said just a, a very little bit about uh, associationsuccess.org, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you do there and, and what the aims of associationsuccess.org are. Sure. So uh, we are a digital publication and online community for association professionals. So really, it's our job to go out and find great ideas in the association space. So we publish articles um, from um, association professionals specifically or consultants or whoever it may be. And we really look for examples um, of, of people doing innovative things in the space. And really, our, our goal here you know, in the last, let's say, 10 years, you're starting to hear a lot. Uh, the discourse is shifting to talk about, you know, some of the uh, the biggest fears that associations face in terms of, you know, competition coming from the private sector or their declining revenue, declining membership, et cetera. And, you know, a lot of these conversations tend to end at the identification of the problem and, and the identification very much on a, on a high level rather than even a discussion of kind of root problems. And so really what we're trying to do in this space is figure out a way to facilitate those discussions in a, in a productive way. So, you know, rather than uh, a discussion on how uh, company culture is, is really important in terms of um, uh, sparking innovation, we want to look for examples of associations that are living that and doing that. And what does that look like? And what are some strategies that they implemented? And, and how can we learn from that? And I always like to ask uh, of anybody who's involved in the association world, how did you end up here? Because I always make the comment, it's not something that gets talked about, for example, in career day at high schools, you know, to, to have an association career. How, how did you get involved in this whole association space? So interestingly, I was working for a marketing firm that was hired out to do the content strategy. And, and well, m more so than that, um, it's, it's a little bit complicated, but uh, associationsuccess.org is within a, a family of companies, and one of those companies was a marketing firm. Um, rest in peace because it's no longer around, but I was working for the marketing firm and working on association success. I just really um, developed an obsession with it. <laughs> and so kind of over a period of time, um, I, I, I ended up uh, taking it over full time, and, and yeah, now, now I run it. <laughs> Well, you're doing a great job. And how, how long has it been going now? Association success has been around now almost two years. Okay. Um, and so my involvement was really, really early, still in the content strategy phase. Okay. Well, great. And uh, I mean, I, I've been very impressed in my interactions with you. And, and we, we came to meet initially because 
you were planning this Surge 2017 uh, online summit, basically, mm-hmm. and, and you contacted uh, me about being involved in that. And uh, I, w- I was very impressed with how the whole event went, and that was a lot of the reason that I really wanted to get you on the show to share that experience with listeners, because I know listeners of Leading Learning are interested in in virtual events. So can you, for those who you know may not have uh, tuned in to Surge 2017, can you just say a little bit about you know, what that event was, what, what you were, what you were doing with that event? Sure. Um, so I've always referred to surge as a virtual summit. And what I've really come to understand based on the reaction of the event is that it's not the right term for it. Mm. Um, mostly because what we, what the idea, so I'll back up. Um, the, the initial intention was to do a, a virtual summit in the traditional sense. So the, the way I'm, I'm saying that, of course, it's still quite, quite a relatively new concept, but the way virtual summits tend to function is, um, you know, people register. And then on the day of the event, they are given access to, let's say it's a three day event. So on the first day, they're given access to a third of the sessions and they can watch them at any point throughout that day. And so that's why it's kind of branded as an event, because you only have access to the sessions at that time. So the thing is that I, uh, running Association Success and and building an online community, I'm really, really lucky to be surrounded by very, very bright, innovative thinkers in the association space. And so what I did is I brought this idea to them, because really my my thought with this, with Association Success being so new, is that this was a way of kind of, um, you know, showing what, what we can do. And, uh, so I brought this idea to them and they tore it down. (laughs) They were like, that's not engaging. There's so much content out there. You know, you might have people register, but there's no reason for them to show up. And if they don't show up, then it's not of value. And so from that conversation, actually, uh, it was a group, I think 10 of us on a call and we workshopped it. Uh, together. And I would like to, to take more credit, but I, I have to say, um, I pretty much sat back and watched them workshop it. <laughs> and, um, you know, at the, at the end of the conversation, what it then transformed into was, um, a, an opportunity for, so, uh, 12 sessions that are being played in, in a three day period, but, uh, at the same time an attendee chat and then uh, a speaker Q and a, so the opportunity for the speakers to be there live because the sessions themselves were pre-recorded. And, and had you actually organized anything like this yourself personally before, or, or I'm assuming you must've participated in summits like this before. What was your, your experience before this? None. <laughs> None. Okay. No, this was this was very much um, create. You know, so run again. Running association success, it's kind of a almost like a giant qualitative research study, because I end up um, talking to so many association professionals and getting so many ideas, and and it was really important that this be a community driven event that I continually came back with. Um, you know, with, with where we were. So I had an, an advisory team and I had a volunteer team and I would constantly come back and say, okay, this is where we are now. And, you know, I, I had a lot of contrarians on the team, which was so, so, so important. Uh, and so, so together this was, uh, I can genuinely say that surge is a collection of so many people's insights. So, I mean, it sounds like, uh, really a pretty entrepreneurial sort of approach to it. Uh, you really were, you were willing to try and fail. And as you said, ha- have a lot of ideas bouncing around. It sounds like that's really what made it work in the end. Oh, absolutely. And, and for me having a, a chairman, I, I was actually just thinking about this last night that, 
you know, if, if, because what happened was, you know, I had this idea and it was definitely to be able to successfully pull it off. Uh, the resources I currently had available to me, it could never happen. So I had to keep coming back and saying, okay, I need, I need this, I need this. You know, at some point toward the end, I realized that my team alone wouldn't be able to handle all of the video editing for it to be a high quality video production. And so, um, that required bringing on another staff member. So initially, uh, for a long time, association success was just myself. And now we're actually a team of six. And, uh, I have to tell you if, if I didn't have someone that believed in it in this way and was willing to, um, put the resources toward it and, and also be very, very encouraging along the way, um, it, it never could have happened. Well, and I'm, I'm intrigued that the response that you got initially when you brought it to the group was that, uh, that it wasn't going to be engaging enough because, I mean, I have to say the, the experience I had with it was both before the event happened and then actually during the event, and I didn't get to attend all of it live, but I saw some of it live and was, you know, involved in part of it live and people seem to be very engaged. Uh, and that's, you know, even though the, the sessions themselves were pre-recorded, so it was recordings that were playing, but there was a lot going on in the chat room. There was a lot going on in the Q and a, and I know you were able to enlist a lot of people beforehand, uh, in the, in the marketing effort as well. And people seem to be pretty pumped up about it. I mean, how did, how did you make all of that happen? Um, I would say the fact that uh, it was community driven and the fact, so, um, there's, I don't know if you know who Dan Ariely is. He's a behavioral economist. Yeah, definitely. And I love anyone listening, go look up Dan Ariely. Um, and, uh, one of, so he has what's called the Ikea effect. Mm -hmm. And so the Ikea effect, um, you know, he put together a group of people and he had them build, uh, Ikea furniture. And at the end he asked them, okay, how much would you value this furniture? And they, um, you know, they, they gave a, a cost. So, so basically if it were, if the furniture were in a store, how much do you think it should cost? And then, um, he took the same furniture and put it in front of the control group that didn't know any of the backstory and said, okay, um, how much would you pay for this furniture? And, uh, the differential was incredible. And, you know, the big insight that came out of that is that if you're directly involved in creating something and building something, you see the value behind it. Um, and so that was, and, and this, this was something I, I kind of understood from the start that it was this beautiful win-win is that the more people, um, are involved in, in producing something, um, the more, the more they're going to be, you know, genuinely wanting to promote it and not from a, um, you know, not from a shallow, um, you know, I have many social media followers, so I'm gonna, um, you know, I, I'm gonna, tell them to come to this event, but really more genuine, like this, this is a community event that is different. Uh, and then, and then the other side of it is just the, it's a more robust idea. The more people are involved in it. I think you're the first person I've interviewed that's, uh, actually put the Ikea effect to use, not only mentioned it, but, but truly has put it to use that. That's fantastic. And we'll make sure that we, we link to Dan Ariely and to some information about his books and the Ikea effect. Cause, cause folks should understand that it is extremely powerful. It sounds like that was, uh, successful for you. You were able to, to leverage that as a way to really get some momentum and some engagement behind the event. I'm wondering on the flip side, you know, you mentioned the video as being something you hadn't uh, necessarily anticipated as being quite the challenge that it turned out to be. What were some of the other challenges you encountered in, in, in trying to put this together and, and turn it into the event that it became? I would say one of the big challenges was, um, 
having ideas. So I, I had so many ideas that I, I wanted to see happen. So in, in one way, the way that was solved again, was having, um, more investment put into it, a larger team, et cetera. But, uh, you know, so initially actually you'll, you'll remember this, Jeff, the, it, it was scheduled for mid September. That's right. I do remember that. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and, and the final date was, uh, early November and, you know, even coming up to that date with a team, I was going, Oh man, I wish we had more time. (laughs) Oh, you know, you'll always feel that way. But I just remember in the summer, um, you know, putting everything together and just having like a deep anxiety because the last thing I would have wanted was for it to be a flop after, after everything. And, um, so I, I guess the, the biggest challenge was just sort of um, you know, being realistic about what could be done. Um, one of the ideas that I really wanted to implement that I wasn't able to was to find some sort of way to connect the physical and the virtual space. Mm. So we, we always, we will always be in the virtual space. That's our thing, but there are so many, uh, local groups of association professionals. And so, um, this was actually an idea that, that someone had given me that I loved, which was to have, uh, to try to work with some of those groups and have, um, she called them event pods. So basically, uh, in, in the physical space, you're watching the sessions and now you're able to discuss with, uh, with others, uh, the content. And so that's something I really, really wanted to do and had even started putting in some of my time and, and resources to, to see that through. But in the end, it was just too much. Mm. Yeah, that's a tough one. We've, uh, with our own virtual event learning technology design, um, one of the things we're going to do going forward, because we know there's so many organizations where multiple people in the organization are sitting in the room together, you know, and it'd be great to get people from different organizations to have those kind of pods that you're talking about. We haven't gone that far yet, but even with the, the groups that are in the room together, we give, you know, kind of discussion and reflection questions during the event, but we're going to get much more formal about that and really, you know, providing that ahead of time and really giving people some, some tools to, 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 you know, to interact with the event content more as a group, you know, in, in the room together, like you said, connecting that, that physical and that virtual space. Uh, one, one of the little, I mean, it was sort of a gimmick, but I think it actually worked with the, um, the community feel of it, a little bit of that Ikea effect last year when we did learning technology design is we got, we got groups and individuals to take selfies of themselves and, and post it to Twitter and we would put it into the event space as well. So you started to get a, a little bit of a, a feel of, you know, seeing the people as well as them being in the chat room and that sort of thing. And you have to think about those sorts of things, which it sounds like you were, you were very much conscious of as you were, as you were planning this event. So, um, Actually, so one of one of the other elements of of surge and and one of the thing one of the points we're we're trying to drive home is this this idea of collective knowledge. Mm-hmm. And uh, so one of the things we're we're doing this this round is for each uh, session we're we're putting together an ebook that has a collection of um, takeaways from the sessions and also takeaways from the chat. And so so very often in the chat, you know, people wouldn't go into significant details. So we're actually reaching out to people and getting longer, you know, anecdotes of, of, you know, from their associations or whatever it may be. And so my, my thought actually on, cause I, I definitely would love to do this event pod. So, you know, big announcement surge 2018 coming, um, early April, probably Great. I'm saying that date. And I just told you my mistake of putting the date too early. <laughs> so I'm, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be committed to that time frame, but, um, so one of the things that, that we're actually uh, thinking about uh, doing with the event pods is 
having, so each group that we partner with, giving them a very specific uh, problem to solve. And so the, the problems identified would be from the community ahead of time. And so now each group, rather than discussion questions where they're just kind of talking to each other uh, about a certain topic, now it's, okay, we are talking to each other to co-create something, basically. So we, we now have to, it, it, it almost forces a mindset of being solutions-focused because now you're producing something that's going to be put into um, a larger body of knowledge. So in this case, it would be uh, the the ebook. That's great. That's great. And I know I, I actually owe you some uh, feedback or response, I think, on uh, ebook related to our session from this, uh, this last surge, which um, we're looking forward to being involved with. I think it's a fantastic uh, idea. C- can you tell me a-, a bit more about, you know, you're talking about the the participants and, and, and involving them, um, which is fantastic. Uh, what was it like working with the, the presenters? I mean, the people who, you know, put together the content. I mean, how did you, how did you identify the, the people who you thought were going to be good at doing this? You know, that were going to be the right people for your audience and, and how did you, you know, work with them, coach them to the extent that you did to make sure that they were going to deliver the, the right type of experience? Yeah, so it it really depended on session. They all they all kind of had their own uh, origin story. Um, I would say one of, one of the big benefits of the way that we did this, uh, which was so we recorded the sessions through Zoom, uh, and so it's a much different thing. And and they were pre recorded, and it's a much different thing. Uh, so, for instance, if you're if you're really shy and you're not a, a public speaker, it significantly lowers the barrier to entry because you're talking to a camp, like you're you're looking at the other speakers while you're talking, and also it's a discussion, mm-hmm. so it also requires far less prep time. Um, some of the some of the sessions, so the the topics, um, this was really just from the last year and a half, uh, identifying pain points in the association space and, and trying to look for, uh, look for session topics and ideas that, that came from, um, you know, that, that were responses to that or, or really just inspiration from articles that we had published previously. Um, and another, I, I would say, so for instance, one of the sessions was on uh, non-dues revenue. And for that one, actually, this was a conversation uh, that came out. I think it was Ed Rigsby I was talking to. And he said, oh, you know, the non-Jews revenue, that's kind of wide open spaces. That's that's a a thing people are starting to talk about, but there isn't really a lot of formalized thought leadership on it. So out of curiosity, I posted into uh, ASAE Collaborate and I said, hey, is there, you know, any existing thought leadership in the non-Jews revenue area? And what came out of it was this really interesting conversation. I would say there were maybe 20 responses from people. And, and they were even debating the definition of non-dues revenue. So I went, okay, that definitely has to be a session topic. And then from there, identified people um, to to be part of that session who kind of came at it from different angles. Like that, that was one thing I really, really wanted for the sessions was people with different perspectives. Uh, so each one, each one kind of came out um, from a slightly in, in a slightly different way. Uh, but, but that was, that was the big goal was to have, um, people with different perspectives and on the pain points that had been, uh, identified over time. Well, that's interesting. I, I remember seeing you post about non-dues revenue, uh, on the ASAE, uh, collaborate, uh, group and, and you're right. I mean, it did spark a lot of conversation and more than most postings get there. So people obviously were very interested in it. So uh, you, you sort of had a, a, a 
kind of a, a double perspective there. You knew that you had an audience for it, and you also knew that you had some potential subject matter experts who would you know be good to tap into for uh, for for presenting on it. So uh, that was a, that was a great strategy for you know coming up with uh, some people to participate in in an event like this. Now, did you find um, you know you're, you're relying? I know on on these presenters to kind of pull it together though, and you know and, and record and, and get things to you. Um, I mean, how how, chall- how challenging was that? Because I think a lot of organizations, when they think about trying to put together a virtual summit, are thinking, "Well, I've you know I've got to corral my experts. I've got to make sure they're going to deliver things on time. Um, that they're going to understand the technology well enough." You reference that you use Zoom, and and Zoom is, is definitely you know intuitive. Very, I think uh, one of the easier uh, presentation technologies to use. But I mean, did you did you run into any um, stumbling blocks and? getting your presenters to get things in on time or technology challenges or anything like that? So Jeff, you, your session won the prize. You, yours was the first to deliver and I'm pretty sure it was late. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just to give you an idea. um, I I, I know it was late. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it was the first. Um, that was one mistake I made is that I, I wasn't, um, I'm not forceful, but I, I didn't, uh, I didn't push the deadlines. Cause I just, I just, uh, you know, in my mind, okay, I already gave myself a buffer. It's going to be fine. But so many of them came in really, really last minute. Mm. Uh, actually one of the, <laughs> one of the sessions, it was the AI session. And, uh, unfortunately they, they, there were, so four speakers, there were three family emergencies within a short, so the session was already kind of last minute and then, then this happened. And so it looked like they weren't going to be able to present at all. So actually what we did, and I do not recommend this to my worst enemy because it must've been an extra 20 hours of work, but we recorded each one individually. And I really, really, really didn't want it to be the style of, you know, one person talking 15 minutes, one person talking like that's really that that's not a the engaging experience I was looking to create. So we actually we used AI technology, uh, ironically enough, to um, so we recorded one person. We transcribed through voice to text. That's where the AI came in. Transcribed it, and then the second person we showed the the script to basically and said, "Okay, are there any points where you where you want to respond?" And we recorded their responses. And then the third person actually recorded responses to the first the first two. And so it, it looked very much like a conversation, um, when it was all pu- pulled together, but it was definitely a lot of work. And, um, another, another mistake I made was telling people, especially ones that weren't as confident, telling them that uh, we could edit after the fact. And mm. so that, you know, to speak for as long as comes naturally. And so we got a few sessions that came in that were an hour and a half and we had to whittle it down to 55 minutes and uh, that took a lot of extra time. My my poor poor video editor was doing all nighters um, right up until the last day. That that's interesting because I can remember you positioning it that way. And uh, and I guess I, I wasn't full dis- full disclosure at the beginning, saying that, that you know I actually participated in a session uh, in, in this. Uh, you know, so I was in, involved in all this going on. And I can remember you saying, "Oh, you know, just." just talk. And if we need to edit, we'll, we'll edit. And I was thinking in the back of my mind, I, I wonder how that's going to work out for her. <laughs> I wish you had warned me. <laughs> well, t- t- point taken. I, I, sh- I should have warned you on that one. <laughs> Being a podcaster, I know all too well that, uh, how that can work out, but, um, but w- well done with the, uh, the artificial intelligence approach there. I think, you know, it's, it's, getting the transcripts and having people respond to it. I mean, it makes it into a conversation. So that's, uh, that's fantastic. Um, switching gears a little bit to, we've talked about, you know, the participation and the presenters, um, 
you know, you got more than a thousand people there. Uh, so, you know, obviously a great showing. I mean, it, it was a free event, so that does make it attractive, but still, even with a free event to get people to, you know, to set aside the time, sign up and, you know, come participate. That, those, that's, those are good numbers. Um, talk about, uh, how you marketed it and, uh, what, what really worked in terms of attracting people to it. So I think a really good story to highlight it working. And, and I think this goes along, uh, with the Ikea effect. Um, so one thing that was important to me with these sessions was for the speakers to, to very much feel a part of it. And to, um, you know, I, as you remember, Jeff, I sent a lot of personal videos along the Mm. way, uh, and, you know, try to update on, on what's happening as much as possible. And the, the, the review, I don't know if that's the right word because you wrote it ahead of time, but the, you know, the message that you put out to our, in your newsletter, um, that was in one day from that, that was 10% of our, uh, of our total registration actually that came in from your letter. Wow. And so, yeah. So thank you. <laughs> so nice, and, nice to know that we have that kind of influence. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> and, uh, so I, in, in my, so I, I wish from a data perspective, I could answer this question a little bit better. Um, but where I saw the, the spikes, it came from this sort of genuine, um, uh, stamp of, of approval, I guess, uh, and, and inviting. So we, we actually, this is an, an interesting. So we partnered with a, a, a company called snowball. And so this was something you'll remember getting this, Jeff, I think, mm-hmm. um, a week before the event. So the way snowball works is that it, um, creates personalized landing pages for every speaker. And we also sent it out to all the, uh, registrants where they can very easily share the event with others. And so the personalized landing page, uh, if, if it were me sending it out, it would say, um, Ariana Rahak invites you to join her at surge 2017. And so it's kind of this, this social proofing, and that, when we sent that out, uh, that there was also a big spike in in registrations, and so that kind of put us over the edge. Um, I would say for for those of you, just a, a heads up for those of you doing virtual events, a lot of registrations come in last minute. Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind if you're freaking out, uh, you know, three days before because your numbers are low. A lot of people, because particularly for us, it's a free event, so it's you know one one click away, but. Uh, so there's no, there's no, uh, compelling reason necessarily to join ahead of time, uh, or to sign up ahead of time. So a, a lot of the registrations came last minute. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I mean, in our, ours is a paid event, but even with that, we got a lot of last minute registrations because people don't have to travel so they can, they can make that last minute decision and they may be sitting on the fence to see, you know, how things work out in their schedule and they work out. And so they go and sign up. But um, th- thanks for mentioning the the, the snowball uh, tool because I did actually notice that. I mean, I'm I'm a marketing junkie, and whenever I see cool things happening, I'm always going to investigate. And that came into my email box, and I was like, hmm, what? Do, I got to go check this out. And uh, and so I you know I figured out that snowball was behind it, and and went and you know looked at what they did, and then I used it. I actually you know sent it out on LinkedIn um, to uh, to my tribe out there, I guess. Um, but, uh, it, very interesting tool. We'll definitely link to that, uh, from the, uh, the show notes, uh, a, a, as well. Now, 
one of my questions was going to be, you know, are, are, are you going to do this again? And you've already answered that because you're, you're planning on doing it in April. I should say planning because, as you mentioned, uh, those dates, those dates can, can slip. Maybe it'll be April. Maybe it won't. Uh, but you probably know enough this time that it actually will be April. But, but along those lines, I mean, as you are planning for the next one, what are some things that you definitely, you know, will do based on what you've learned this time? And what are some things you definitely will not do uh, as you're as you're planning for the, the next event? Sure. Um, what I won't do is an official call for submissions, hmm. um, likely on the individual level, because I, I really the the sessions where we paired people up, basically, that had, um, you know, similar, that, that had knowledge on, on a certain topic, but came at it from a different angle. I think it also created this really interesting um, opportunity for co-creation and also to meet other people. And, and in the virtual space, we were, we were very easily able to connect people from different, uh, you know, that lived in different locales. Uh, and, and one thing we're also definitely going to be doing is getting a lot of, uh, feedback on what the, what topics are of interest to people. So we're, we're going to keep it at, at 12 sessions, but I really, really want to make sure that those 12 sessions are a proper reflection on, on what people want to, to learn about and, and hear about. Um, the other thing is I, I definitely want to pursue this, this kind of event pod type thing of, um, having some, some local gatherings. Cause one, one thing that I really felt at the end of the event, which was kind of lost value, I guess, is that I really got the sense that people wanted to continue the conversation and I didn't have a place for them to do that. And that was, that was my, my mistake for not thinking that through. And so I, I really like the idea of, of having people come together, um, in, in the local space and, and be able to, to discuss the topics and, uh, continue the discussion. That's great. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to, uh, to surge 2018. And as, as we're starting to, to wind up our, our conversation today, I'll switch gears once again, a little bit. I mean, we, we've, sort of had it in the background in the whole conversation that's, you know, this, this surge event was about learning both for the participants, but also for you. I mean, I'm sure you learned a, a ton in, in, in doing this. And um, I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, how, how do you go about your own lifelong learning when, when you're not putting together virtual summits? I mean, what are the other sorts of things you do to kind of, you know, keep the saw sharp, basically, and, and advance yourself? Yeah, so I would say, uh, so there was a big kind of eureka moment for me, uh, which was understanding the value of applied learning. So I, uh, I studied international development. So this was a degree in the humanities and as interesting as it was, you know, I've never yet had the opportunity to bust out my modern East Asian history knowledge. Uh, and so there was always, there was always a, what I was learning in school was always very different than, you know, what, what my life looked like. And, uh, when I started working at the marketing firm in particular, there were certain things that I kind of recognized, okay, if I gain some skills in this area, um, I'm going to, I'm going to be more effective at my job. So, uh, as an example, I was communicating a lot with, uh, developers and I was noticing that, there's something about the way that I was communicating with them that I could see was very frustrating to them. Like I, I wasn't, 
my mind is, I'm, I, my job trains me to think so much differently than a developer. It's definitely not an if this, then that kind of way. And so I actually took an HTML course online. I, I kind of audited an HTML course online just to understand, just to get some insight into how they think. Mm. So I, I could figure out how, you know, for instance, I would come to them, oh, I need this feature and be like, well, you didn't think through the use cases, the, you know, five other things that's going to affect. Anyway, so I took this HTML course and then, um, you know, accidentally learned a little code uh, where the literally the next day I came in and I was working on an email template and uh, there was some issue with it. And for the first time ever, I could now go into the source code and, and make that change. And it was just like this, this really empowering moment where I realized that, you know, everything that I, everything that I learn about is just something added to the toolkit where every time there's a problem that needs to be solved, I have more, you know, mental resources, I guess, to be able to tackle that problem. And then once you tackle certain problems, other problems become easier because you have experience now in doing that. And just once you get going on that track, um, learning is very addictive. Definitely, definitely, and then we and we always like to ask too, you know, for anybody who's on the show, what you know, what was one of the most powerful learning experiences you've been involved in, you know, since finishing your formal education? And, it, and I mean, it sounds like that that was one of them for you. Is that is that right? Yeah, absolutely. That moment, and and I, I would say surge in general. That that was like the capstone project of everything I knew in life. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice, nice. Surge is the capstone project. I like that. Well, that's that's a that's a great note to to wrap up on. Uh, but before we formally sign off, um, well, a couple of questions. One is, uh, is it still possible for people to access the surge 2017 uh, sessions? Are those still out there to to be signed up for? Yes, absolutely. If if um, I'm, I'm sure you'll link out to it, but from the event page, you can go into session replays and watch them. I totally recommend them. I absolutely recommend Jeff's session. Um, it was really, really well received and very well put together. Well, I have to give a, a huge shout out to uh, Josh Goldman and uh, Amanda Beckner, uh, you know, frontline practitioners who were in that uh, session and, and really made it uh, everything it was. And then, of course, uh, Salisa Steele, who's my partner here at Tagora. So team effort on that. And it was a pleasure to do. Um, if, if folks want to uh, catch up with, with you, Ariana, um, on social media or wherever, um, what, what's the best way for them to do that? So I don't really live on social media very much. Um, I would love people to reach out to me. Uh, email is the way to do it. I don't know if, do you want me to say my email or do you want to just throw it in the if you if you if you'll say it, and we'll also put it in the in the notes uh, in a, in a way that it can't be uh, robotically spammed. So, sure, <laughs> please, <laughs> sure. So it's uh, Ariana A R I A N N A dot Rayhack R E H A K at associationsuccess.org. Um, if you have ideas for sessions, if you have thought leaders you think are badass, I hope I can say that word here. Sorry if I can't. <laughs> um, also, I, I do want to mention uh, I, I'm actually in the the planning phases of putting together an online course on how to run, I want to call it a virtual summit, but that's not what it was. I'm actually, that's my first step to kind of figure out what to call this event, what, what it was, but, um, whatever, whatever it will be, I, I am going to be putting together this course to, to teach others how to, how to do this in their own setting. 
Well, excellent. I'm very glad to hear that. We'll certainly uh, help promote that. We've been huge advocates of virtual events um, for years now and do a lot of research on it. And obviously, we're believers because we have our own virtual event. So uh, definitely let us know when that is done, and we will help to promote it. In the meantime, um, I don't think we have any technology to bleep out things on the podcast. So so bad, <laughs> badass is going to stay in. And with that, Sorry, guys. <laughs> with that, I will say thank you so much, Ariana, for making the time to be on the show. Thank you. That wraps up our conversation with Ariana Rehak. To get show notes for this episode, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 111. While you're there, you can grab um, our resource for this episode, the Association Virtual Events Report. While you're there, you'll also see the various options available for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of Leading Learning, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe. We would also be grateful if you would take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. You can do that by going to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. We really appreciate reviews, and reviews also make it much easier for others to find this podcast. Finally, consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet to do that simply by going to leadinglearning.com slash share, and that automatically pops up a tweet. Uh, All you have to do is hit send on it. Or if tweeting isn't your thing, you can take that language or your own words and put them into another social network of your preference. Thanks again. And we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.